one, we're going to go ahead and get started. So if you can find a place to sit down, that'll be good. I am filling in for Derek this morning. Uh, I'm going to introduce a subject to you today that we're only going to be able to scratch the surface. Uh, we would take probably weeks upon months to talk about this. Um, but um, this morning, let's see what's going on. Yeah, let's look at the announcements. We'll figure out what's going on. We're going to talk about angels this morning. Uh, and angels is kind of a neat subject. Sarah, pull up the Derek Gray class for me. <laughs> we, uh... So, there's a lot of... Um, miscommunication about angels, a lot of miseducation about angels, and misunderstanding about angels. And so this morning I thought I would just kind of whet your appetite and, and scratch the surface about angels themselves. So the question is, well, what are angels? Well, angel means to dispatch as a deputy, a messenger specifically of God. An angel is also a prophet, a priest, or a teacher. So an angel, in its basic essence or basic definition, is a messenger. And they are dispatched from God to give messages to whomever God so chooses. That's what it is. Angels are mentioned 108 times in the Old Testament and 165 times in the New Testament. So by, by knowing that we have some 173 mentions of angels in the Bible, they must be important. Uh, they must play a vital role uh, in the life of us and in the life of creation. And so we're going to kind of kind of touch base about what angels are. So first of all, let's talk about their creation. Nowhere in the Bible is a specific reference of Scripture that mentions the time when the angels were created. In other words, you're not going to pull up a passage of Scripture and it says, and God created the angels. However... Since we only have hints in scriptures, we must remain content with the fact that God has not given us much information about the time of creation of angels. So nobody can specifically tell you when they were created, because we don't know when they were created, because the Bible is silent on that. And one of the things you must learn early on in life, if you haven't learned this yet, is whenever the Bible is silent on an issue... That means you cannot dogmatically argue for or against that. When the Bible is silent on something, we have to almost be the same way with it. In other words, this morning, I can't dogmatically argue with you when angels were created because we don't have that reference of time. It doesn't say on such and such time, on such and such day, that God created the angels. And because it's not mentioned, therefore it's silent, we also have to somewhat be silent. But there are some scriptures pertaining to angels. So let's look real quick. In Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says, You alone are the Lord. You have made the heaven, the heavens of heavens, with all their host. And of course, the host would be uh, the stars and the angelic beings, the earth and everything in it, the seas and all that is in them. And you preserve them. The host of heaven worships you. And that host would be angels. And we know in the book of Revelation that the Bible talks about that angelic beings worship the Lord 24-7. That's their job. That's all they do. So for you worshipers, you'd say, man, that's a place I want to be. 
and we will be there one day. The Bible also tells us in Psalms 104.4, Who makes his angels spirits, his ministers a flame of fire? So we know that God makes them. We, we see that. And also in, in Job, we read, when you were, it says, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? He's talking to Job. He says, tell me, if you know so much, you determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line, who supports its foundation and laid its cornerstones? As the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. So what we do know is that we can kind of depict from here that before the foundations of the earth were laid, guess who was before then? Angels. Because when God laid the foundations of the earth, the Bible tells us that the angels shouted for joy. But what we see is that creation process. So here's, here's where life starts to get good. <laughs> so what do angels look like? <laughs> well, Hollywood and, and everywhere else have really warped our sense of thinking about angelic beings. In fact, when you go on the internet, if you go online, they always show this nice heavenly woman, you know, with these beautiful wings and got the halo and she's protecting the children, and it's almost, you, you cannot even find a male angel in the, in, in, online. In fact, the only angels you'll find that are male are the California Angels baseball team. Uh, that's about as close as you're going to get. So what the media has done, what uh, Hollywood has done, it's created an angelic being that's a female. And, and she's so lovely and just so dainty, and so warming and soothing. I mean, think about that. Of all the times you've watched the movies, and all the times you've seen something, the one I can remember the most was a series years ago called Touched by an Angel. Anybody ever seen that? And the angel was a what? It was a woman. It was a female. In fact, her sidekick was also a female. So we have in our brain and our minds that angelic beings are these nice, soothing little ladies that have the halo, that have the beautiful little wings, and they are here to protect us and speak to us and comfort us. So do you think that's what the Bible says? So no, it does not. So we're going to take a few moments and just, you're going to see what angelic beings really look like. The first one comes out of Isaiah chapter 6, verses 2 through 4. It says, Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having how many wings? Not two, but six. With two wings, they covered their faces. Now, why do you suppose with two wings they covered their faces? Because God is so great and glorious, they have to have something to cover up with. So know that. Even though they're with the Lord 24-7, He is so mighty, He is so majestic, that we read that they take two wings to cover their faces. That's how powerful the Lord is. And yet we have people mock God all the time and make fun of Him. But when the angels are there, they cover their faces with wings, okay? With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew. They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with His glory. Their voices shook the temple and its foundation, and the entire building was filled with smoke. So angels do not have two wings, they have six wings. 
And when they talk, they're not very quiet and polite. When they talk, they thunder. Notice what it says. Their voices shook the temple to its foundation. So you have to understand, these are very powerful beings. They're not little, hey, you, the, the, kind of the funny, they're not little angelic beings. The angels are very powerful. They're very prominent. And so what we understand is that they are very different than how our media describes them. Well, here's in Revelation chapter 4, verse 8. It says, each of these living beings had six wings. There's the six wings again. And their wings covered all over their eyes, inside and out. And day after day and night after night, they kept saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who was always was, who is, and who is still to come. So we see not once but twice that the mention of angels do not have two wings. They have six wings. And the wings are there to cover their face, to cover their body, their feet, and to also fly. So we do know that they fly, so give them that credit. Uh, we do know that, that angels fly. So now we're going to get into a little more specific detail of what an angelic being looks like. And, and this is interesting, okay? Once again, this is Scripture. So here's it is, 1 Kings chapter 6, and we're going to read verses 24 through 26. The wingspan of each cherubim was how far? 15 feet. So if you have six wings, and all six wings stretch out 15 feet wide, do you think this is a little creature? No, no, no. They're huge. In fact, the Bible says that, it, that each wing is seven and a half feet long. Um, the two cher cherubim were identical in shape and size. Twenty-six each was 15 feet tall. So we know that the angels in this one described by in 1 Kings were 15 feet tall. So, I don't, that's, so to give you an idea, if you can see the bottom of the stage and you go up to the top over Jesus... That is not quite 15 feet. That's like 14.8. Um, so, <laughs> so you understand now why when an angel visited somebody in the Bible, they just didn't say, hey, how are you doing? How's the Lord doing up in heaven? They immediately what? They fell to their face. And you understand why? Because of the fear. I mean, I'm, I'm not the biggest guy in the world, but I can tell you when I get around these guys that are 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, and they're, they're very massive, I get a little intimidated around them. So imagine being around something that is 15 feet tall. The tallest man we know in the Bible was Goliath. He was 9 foot 6 inches. And yet, these beings are almost twice his size. 15 feet. Gets better. Here's what Ezekiel says. Ezekiel says, From the center of the cloud came four living beings that looked human. So we do know partially they, can, they look human. Except that how many faces did they have? They had four. Each of these angels had four faces and four wings. Their legs were straight and their feet had hooves like of a calf shown like of a burnished bronze. So now I notice these have four wings and they have hooves rather than feet. Under each of their four wings, I could see human hands. So, so are you beginning to try to picture this? Four wings, and at the end of the wings, there's human hands. Okay? 
The wings of each of these living beings touch the wings of each being beside it. Each moved straight forward in any direction without turning. Each had a human face in the front, the face of a lion on the right side, the face of an ox on the left side, and the face of an eagle at the back. So these angelic beings have four faces. Human, lion, ox, eagle. And they are representative of things that we could look at in the future, but right now we just want to look of what you're... Now, for those who are not very familiar with angels, has your um, concept of an angel changed now? It's no longer that little old lady, that sweet, beautiful woman that's got her little two white wings and a little white robe. These are completely different. <laughs> Each had two pairs of outstretched wings, one pair stretched out to the wings of the other living beings on the side of it. So you can see as they're coming down from heaven in this cloud, they are stretched out and they're touching each wings. They went in one, whatever direction the Spirit chose. And that is very... Notice what it says. They went in the direction who? The Spirit chose. So they are coming from heaven. They're very sensitive to the Lord. They're hearing what He says. And they move in the direction that the Holy Spirit tells them to move which for us as a footnote, the direction we should ever go in life should be based upon who? The Holy Spirit and not based upon us. Verse 13, The living beings looked like bright coals of fire or brilliant torches, and lightning seemed to flash back and forth among them. So, once again, they're coming from the presence of the Lord. They've been upon His presence and His glory. And now that we see that they have these four heads, they have four wings, they have hands on each of the wings, they have legs, but at the end of their legs are not feet, they're hooves, and they have the appearance of burning torches, and lightning is flashing around them. Are you, are you picturing this? It, it's kind of neat to think about it. My, it took, I've been studying this for a while. My, it took my brain a couple days to kind of really i still don't really grasp this i mean hollywood has a, a wonderful way we can kind of see things visually but i'm still trying in my mind to imagine what this thing really looks like that it has four faces that's got four wings and that it just moves back and forth up and down whatever direction the spirit tells it to and that it is so powerful that lightning literally comes from it and it is burning with coal Verse 14 says, And the living beings darted to and fro like flashes of lightning. In other words, they move pretty quick. And as I looked at these things, I saw four wheels touching the ground beside them, one wheel belonging to each. And so now at the bottom of these, they have four wheels. And if you continue to read um, which in Ezekiel, which I didn't do, is that inside the wheel is another wheel. So they can literally move any way they want to in a, in a direction. They can go left, right, up, down. It doesn't matter. But you have to understand that he's doing his best to describe to us what he saw in detail of these angelic beings. That they are so massive, they are so powerful, that they move with the Spirit, and they can move with the Spirit because at the bottom of their feet are like these wheels that just shift them back and forth, front and you know, it's almost, it's not even comparing them, but you can get it. It's, it's like these zero turn radius things we have now. They can just, they can just go either way they want. Um, it made me like a unicycle. 
You're not a unicycle. You can turn around, go left, right. I mean, that's what you get. And they move as fast as lightning. Have you ever seen how fast lightning moves? It's quick. And that's how these angelic beings. So now we kind of, on a basis, and we could go into more detail this morning, but we're not. You get the idea of what these things look like. They're tall. They're massive. Um, they are very, very intimidating. They're very, very powerful. They're just not some small, little, cute woman with these wings. If you really want to know the truth, guess which gender is never mentioned about an angel in the Bible? A female. Do you realize, and I'm not saying they're not female angels, because angels take on any shape or form, but anytime there is a mention of God's angels in the Bible, they're always mentioned as male. After all, Tiffany did not come down to Mary. It was Gabriel. We have Michael. They're always male, but yet our wonderful Hollywood, our wonderful media has a way of taking the very thing that God designed and created for us, and he's done just the exact opposite. Angels mentioned in the Bible are men. They're male. They're dominant. They're powerful. They're huge. And yet, the depiction we have on earth is just the opposite. Well, here's some interesting facts about angels. They are innumerable. The Bible tells us in Hebrew 12, 22, No, you have come to the Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. Countless thousands. In other words, the author of Hebrews tells us that they're countless. They're like the stars in the heaven. They're numerous. Revelation 5.11 also says, Then I looked again and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and of the living beings and the elders. What we have to understand this morning is that the spiritual life is more real than our physical life. And sometimes we spend too much time in the physical than we do the spiritual. In other words, the spiritual life we live and we should be living in should be more real to us than the spiritual than the physical life. But a lot of times we don't do that. We are so focused on the the physical and on what's right in front of my face that we literally miss what really is real in our life. So think about that. If there are countless amounts of angels, then you have to understand they're in this room today. Do you see them? I don't. But just because you can't see something doesn't mean it's not real. And just because you can't feel something doesn't mean it's not real. And just because you can't taste it or smell it doesn't mean it's not real. They're real and they are in this place. They all saw are invisible. We read this from Scripture. 2 Kings chapter 6, 16-17 says this, Don't be afraid, Elisha told him. For there are more on our side than theirs. Here we go again. What do you mean on our side? The servant's like, hey, dude, have you looked? There's just two of us. Look at all the chariots out there among them. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. See, this young man's eyes were finally opened to the spiritual realm, and he finally was able to see 
what Elisha already knew was there and he could see. That the spiritual beings are more real to us than physical beings. And they're around us each and every day. Have I ever seen an angel? Well, if you count my wife, yes. Other than that, no. I've been around people who have seen them, but I have not. Not sure why, but I'm just not one of those guys. Also, we read in Numbers chapter 14, it's a real interesting story about a man named Balak and, and a donkey. And the Lord told Balak not to go somewhere, but he decided to go anyway. And as he's going, there's an angel standing in the roadway. The donkey saw the angel, but Balak could not. And the donkey just backed down. He, he would not move forward. Well, you know, Balak beats the donkey, wants the donkey to move forward, and the donkey would not. And what's really interesting about the story, then the donkey begins to talk to Balak. And he says, Haven't I, I've been faithful to you. I've always done this. And then all of a sudden, then Balak realizes, okay, there's the angel of the Lord. So even animals can see. And so if you've ever had it, and I have watched this numerous times, where I've watched a dog start following something, and you can watch his head. He'll just, you know, and he's looking, and I'm like, okay, what are you seeing, man? You're seeing something that I'm not. Animals have the privilege of seeing the supernatural sometimes when we don't. We also read in Hebrews 13 too, do not forget or don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, for some have done this and have entertained angels without realizing it. So we do know they come in human form. And sometimes that stranger uh, may be an angelic being. I know it was in a class in the, the admin building one night. Lori was telling me on a Sunday night this man came in and spent some time with them, and they knew beyond any shadow of doubt it was an angel, although he was a man. Uh, ask Lori White about that. That's some t- it'll be neat. I remember one night when I was young, I was like 18 years old, I saw this uh, man on the side of the road, an elderly man. It was like 11 o'clock at night, and I picked him up. And, and I took him to, quote, his house that I thought. And the whole time we're talking about the Lord and things of that nature. Well, the next day I decided to go back and check up on him. And the people, not only in the house, but in that neighborhood, have never heard of the man's name, didn't even know who I was talking about. For me, I interpreted that probably was an angel. And, and God just wanted to see if I would be cautious and kind enough uh, to, to pick him up. Be careful sometimes who you entertain. For sometimes you entertain angels. Also, they're invincible. The Bible tells us in Psalms 103.20, Bless the Lord, you His angels, who excel in strength, who do His word, heeding the voice of the Lord. We know that they excel in strength. After all, they're 15-foot beings, six wings. I mean, they're huge. So you know they've got to be powerful. We also read in 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 35, That night the angel of the Lord went out to the Assyrian camp and killed how many Assyrian soldiers? 185,000. How many angels was that? One. One angel. And when the surviving Assyrians woke up the next morning, they found corpses everywhere. So if you wonder, are angelic beings powerful? They are. But let me give you a footnote. Anytime... You read in the Bible, it calls the angel of the Lord. Um, The angel of the Lord actually is Jesus in pre-incarnate form. And you'll see that about three or four times in the Old Testament. Uh, Maybe in the future we can discuss this. But anytime you see the angel of the Lord, it is actually talking about Jesus Christ in his pre-incarnate form. 
because you'll never see the angel of the Lord in the New Testament after Christ's birth. Daniel chapter 6, verse 21 and 22. Daniel answered, Long live the king. My God sent his angel, one angel, to shut the lion's mouths so they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. Once again, one angel, angel closing the mouths of many lions. I don't know about you. Have you ever fought a lion? I haven't. Probably the closest I've come to fighting lions, I've worked in children's church, and that's pretty close, you know. But, um, but notice that one angelic being has the power to closing many lions' mouths. So, we know that they're invincible. They're invincible. They also are immortal. The Bible tells us, Jesus replied, marriage is for people here on earth, but in the age to come, those worthy of being raised from the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage, and they will never die again. In this respect, they will be like angels. Once again, they will never die. So they're going to be like angels, and angels never die. And it also goes on to say that they are children of God and children of the resurrection. And if you further read on in the next verse, it will also tell you that there are no marriages in heaven. So don't want to burst anybody's bubble, but Scripture says we will not have marriages in heaven. And think about that. You'll be too busy worshiping Jesus. I'm not saying you won't recognize your spouse, but you'll have other obligations and priorities in your life. And so we see that we'll never die again and we're going to be just like the angels. Here's something just to kind of help you out. We notice that Gabriel, the angel Gabriel, appeared to Daniel in Daniel chapter 9. Then 500 years later, he appeared to Zacharias in Luke chapter 1. Now you have to understand, he probably didn't come on a cane with the old beard. I mean, he looks as young as he did then. Because after all, in heaven you never age because time is nothing in heaven. Do you realize there, there is no time in heaven? Time is only here on earth. And that concerns me because I am so time focused. I'm, it'll be interesting for me to let go of time when I get to heaven. Are any of you people like that? I, I live and die by the clock. I mean, I'm, I'm just that way. Um, and so one of, the, one of my major, I guess, re- stress reliefs will be when I die one day and I won't have to worry about time anymore. There is no time in heaven. It, we will be ageless like the angels, like God. But we read where Gabriel appeared and then 500 later, years later he appeared. They also are intrigued by salvation. And you've heard this scripture many, many times before. It says, in the same way there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Now, why do you suppose there's so much joy because of a sinner repenting? Say that again. They're going to join them. And not only are they going to join them, they're going to experience what they're experiencing. It's kind of like having children. If you've never had a child, you don't understand this. But there is so much joy in having a child. And you can tell and try to... People try to explain to me what parent would be, parenthood would be like when I was not a parent, and I, and I never quite caught the concept. You can't. You only catch the concept when you're a parent. The angels understand when one sinner repents, they're going to experience the joy. They're going to experience the love. They're going to experience the power and the presence of God forever. And that's exciting. They're, they're thrilled because you have to understand that the angels are joyful because one sinner repents. 
And the reason why they are so joyed is because you have to remember, we read in Revelation that a third of the angels have been kicked out of heaven and they're going to be spent eternity where? And so if a sinner does not repent, where will they spend eternity? So they know. Angels have that, that concept. They have the understanding that if you repent, you're going to spend eternity in heaven with Jesus. And if you don't, you'll spend eternity in hell with those who rebelled with Satan. They know. So there is overwhelming amounts of joy when one sinner repents. We're going to speed up a little bit. So let's look real quick at what they do. Well, first of all, they minister to us. In Hebrews chapter 1, verses 13 through 14, And God said to any of the angels, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a right, making a footstool under your feet. Therefore, angels are only servants, spirits, sent to care for people who will inherit salvation. So God has angels, and they're there to care for us. They're there to help us in our time of need. We need the Lord, and we need people, but God also understands there are time you're going to need an angelic being to help you. They also will protect us. Psalms 91, 11, and 12 says, For He will order His angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. So He sends them there not only to help us, they're there to protect us. <laughs> and we read this one. <laughs> they're there to guide us. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Notice it's in a dream. So sometimes when you dream, pay close attention to what you're dreaming about. You know, unless you're having them weird dreams about hot dogs and spaghetti or whatever. I mean, that's a different story. And usually if you eat spicy food, you'll have weird dreams. But typically when the Lord speaks to you in a dream, it'll be the same dream over and over again because we're usually slow and we don't get it. But the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, and he said, Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So the angel said, Hey, listen, you need to go. Herod's coming after you. He's going to send men to kill Jesus. You better leave. So the angel gave Joseph guidance. Notice, notice he gave the spiritual head of the house. Uh, the leadership. And men, just as a footnote, we need to be the spiritual leaders of our home. It shouldn't be our wives, it should be us. We should be the one leading, moving forward. That's the way God designed it, and that's the way it's supposed to be. They also will encourage us. We read in Psalms 91, 11, and 12 once again, for He will order His angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands. They're holding you up. They're going to give you that encouragement. They're going to help you go forward so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. They're there to help you. They're there to encourage you. Also, they're there sometimes to deliver us. Acts 12, 7 says this, Suddenly there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, Quick, get up, and the chains fell off his wrist. Wow. What a story that an angel was there to deliver Peter from prison. And if you'll stop and take a second, I'm sure there has been a stranger sometime in your life or somebody that just appeared and told you to go when you probably didn't want to go or told you not to go when you shouldn't have gone. 
And it probably was the Lord sending an angel to get your attention to say, this is what you need to do to be safe. God sends His angelic beings to deliver us sometimes, to keep us from trouble, to deliver us from those things. It's just the way life is. And, and we probably don't realize it how much, you don't realize today how much God is involved in your life and the things He is doing in your life to help you, to protect you, to care for you. Uh, and listen, I could spend the rest of my life telling you all the neat things that God has done for me. Um, so back in the early 90s, I went over to Africa on a mission trip. We were there for two weeks. Um, and on the way back, we had basically an, an, an eight-hour flight from, uh, Amst- from um, Dar es Salaam over to Amsterdam, Holland, and from Holland over to the States. When the process of flying eight hours from uh, Dar es Salaam into Amsterdam, it was nighttime. We were on a 747. I just stretched out and went to sleep. What I did not realize was that my blood sugar dropped, and I started going into a diabetic coma. Well, you can't wake me up now. I'm, I'm gone. I mean, I'm, I'm passed out. Don't know why, but you'll know why, and I know really why. There was a doctor on the plane. He said, I don't know why I have this. I have a glucagon shot on, in my bag. I never take one, never have one, but for some reason I have one. They gave me the shot. Within 10 minutes, I was awake. Why did he have that shot? Because the Lord knew I would need it. And if I didn't have that shot, I wouldn't be here today. See, God does so many neat things to use angels to help us in our time of need. They're also there to enlighten us. It says, when Herod died and the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Here we go again. He's appearing to Joseph one more time in a dream. And he says, get up, the angel said, take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel because those who were trying to kill the child are dead. So Joseph got up, returned to the land of Israel with Jesus and his mother. So twice now we see where the angel of the Lord spoke to Joseph in a dream. Once was to guide him and to warn him, now is to give him direction and enlighten him that now it's safe to go back home. Also, they empower us. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 22, verse 43, then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. If you go back in Scripture, anytime somebody really had an, an encounter with an angel, they fell flat on their face. And the angels always had to tell them to get up. Anytime somebody encountered the Lord, they fell flat on their face like the energy was gone from them. And then the angel of the Lord would have to help them up to get them up. So it's the angel of the Lord sometimes that gives us power when we're weak. Power when we are needing help. So these are basically seven things that angels do. There's a lot more that we could go into detail about. Uh, I don't want to do that. But I know probably... Let me ask you this question, then we'll go from here. So you hear in Hollywood all the time about people's guardian angel. Oh, God has given me a guardian angel. And no, so do you believe you have a guardian angel? Who believes you have a guardian angel? Okay, only a few of us believe. All right. You ready? Do you have a guardian angel? And the answer is going to be yes. You ready? So notice what it says. In Matthew 10, Matthew 18, verse 10, it says this, Beware that you don't look down on any of these little ones. The little ones are the children of God. Don't look down at for I tell you in heaven, whose? Whose? There. 
their angel. Their angels. So it's a plural form. Don't look down on these little children because they're angels. So believe it or not, you have a guardian angel. Because the Bible tells us that their angels are always in the presence of the Heavenly Father. They're waiting on call for the Lord to send. So if you ever wondered if you have a guardian angel, that answer for you would be yes. Because the Bible tells us, do not look down on any of these little ones. It's in a plural form. Their angel are always in the presence of my Heavenly Father. This was Jesus talking. So you have a guardian angel. Some of your angels are probably tired by now. But, but you, you do have a, a guardian angel. And it further um, goes on to say, If a man has a hundred sheep and one of those wanders away, what will he do? Won't he leave the ninety-nine others on the hills and go out to search for the one which is lost? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he will rejoice over it more than the ninety-nine that wander away. In the same way, it is not the Heavenly Father's will that any one of these little ones should perish. And that's following verse 10. The Lord's desire is that we never will perish. That is His desire, that you and I will never perish. If we don't have that salvation experience with the Lord, then we do perish. But with the Lord in our life, with Him guiding our life and leading our life, He's there. Now, in closing this morning, this is what I want to tell you. Angels are incredible beings, and we see what they do in our life. But guys, it is not our desire, and it should never be your desire to worship an angel, to go after an angel, to do anything with an angel. You understand? They're they're servants of the Lord to help you. That's what they're designed to do. They're there to help you. Our desire should be to go after the Lord. Our desire should be to get in His presence. Our desire should be to worship at His feet. That should be our desire, but every now and then God knows you need a little more help and He will send an angelic being to help you. But do not go home today and say, okay, I want to know who my guardian angel is and and I don't want you to go home and sit on the couch and say, okay, I'm going to name my guardian angel Sam or, you know, don't. That's not the point. Don't get caught in the minors of life. Sometimes we major on the minors in life, and that's what's happened with our world today. We get so caught up on angelic beings and the supernatural angels that we focus on them rather than on the supreme being, the Lord. And so this morning, I want to encourage you not to get caught up in worshiping or going after angelic beings. They're only there to help us. They're only there to empower us, to deliver us, to keep us safe. The desire for us is to go after the Lord. The desire for us is to seek His face, to worship Jesus, and allow the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us and direct us. The angels are just on the sideline. Notice what it said. They're waiting. In all reality, if we go back to this verse here, as it says, their angels are always in the presence of... That's where your angels should always be. I mean, and, and hear me. In all reality, your guardian angel ought to be without a job today. He ought to be without a job. You know why? Because you're loving the Lord and following Him so closely, the angel's like, I'm not needed. But that's okay, I can worship the Lord. It's no big deal. You just keep, you're all right on your own. I can just worship Jesus while I'm up here. They're there to help you in case you need it. 
And hopefully and prayerfully, you won't need it. That you will be going after the Lord, loving Him and worshiping Him. But don't worry, if you get into a situation where you need help, the Lord will send His angels to help you. There is a lot more we could discuss this morning, but we're going to have to stop here. But I want to encourage you to know that angels are nothing like television says they are. Nothing. There are huge, powerful beings that are sent from the Lord to minister to us, to help us, to, perfect, to protect us, to defend us. But they're there to help. And we should never really need them. We should be so focused on the Lord that they're only my needed. Listen, if you want a transcript, you want my notes from this, let me know. I'll print out some notes for you. I know we went fast and furious through some scriptures. Uh, this will be recorded so you can listen to it on podcast. It'll be there as well. Uh, in the future, whenever I get another chance to speak, maybe we'll continue on angels. Uh, don't know, but uh, thank you for allowing me to speak to you this morning. And Derek will be back next week. Let's pray.